Welcome to the show, Danielle Stefano. Did I say it right? You did. That's right. <laughs> do, you, do you have a nickname? Do people call you Dan, Danny? Uh, I have a million nicknames, to be honest. Um, really? Yeah, very random. But yeah, I get um, Danny quite a bit or Stefano, yeah. D-Steph. Yeah, probably the most, um, most common ones. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I like that. It's a little bit too close to home for me, though. Yeah, true. Very true. <laughs> um, now, we've been mixing in similar circles for quite a few years now um, and both very passionate about women in tri- well triathlon and women in triathlon. Um, but we've never really got our shit together to actually catch up and figure out how we can work that's it. Together. I know we've been been a bit slack in that department. But <laughs> <laughs> we've had a bit on. You've had a bit on. You're uh, you're you're doing some uh, new things. Um, sorry, I'm just ch- testing that level again. Um, in the last what twelve months or so, you've gone on your own in the coaching department. Yeah, so, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So um, I was with the institute for um, well, for a number of years beforehand um, as a sports scientist, but. Coaching wise, yeah, I was the head coach there for four years, and then um, yeah, went decided to go out on my own last year once the uh, the program was kind of cut for funding reasons. So um, yeah, took the the leap of faith and went out on my own, started my own business, and wanted to uh, yeah, get in, still stay in high performance and um, look after our elite guys here in Victoria. And uh, yeah, so I did that. It's been twelve months now. Um, into second year this year, and yeah, loving it, loving being my own boss. But um, awesome. yeah, it's been good, good fun. Let's wind the clock back so we'll get to where you're at now and how to pronounce the name of your business <laughs> and what it stands for. Yeah, it's very random. <laughs> I love some randomness. I mean, wits up. I mean, come on now. Um, let's go back to when you were working under, I guess, the, the Triathlon Australia banner. Yep. It's, it's all very confusing and I still don't fully understand how it all works. But So you were working for triathlon victoria essentially under the triathlon australian banner um so it was more i was employed by the victorian institute of sport and um oh. obviously like the um, triathlon australia was um involved with vis uh too as the national sporting organization but yeah my um i was employed by the institute and um yeah so worked there uh as the head coach of the program for four years so i started in 2013 uh, and then saw that through to the end of um, 2016 and then, oh, yeah, start of 2017. And um, and so now, yeah, the program was cut from VIS and so that's obviously why I went out uh, on my own. But now I'm still involved with Triathlon Australia as part of their high-performance program and still one of their high-performance coaches. Um, it's just right. I'm not directly employed by Triathlon Australia at the moment. So um, even though I'm still involved in the high-performance kind of program, um, I mean, I'm paid by my athletes now so yeah yeah, that's just how that's changed with um with tri australia realistically nothing has really changed with triathlon australia it's just yeah i'm I'm no longer i guess employed by the institute down here yeah you're you're doing your own thing now yeah yeah which i guess gives you a lot more freedom you can learn a lot from you know the three or four years that you spent under that umbrella and bring that into your own business now. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's, you know, that was great for me um, starting off as well, being able to have a lot of support around me, both from an admin perspective, but also from uh, all the, you know, services provided to the athletes. Uh, but for me now, yeah, I get to, I guess, make my own calls, not have to have things ticked off um, yeah. by everybody and kind of do what, what you want and what you feel is actually best for the athletes. Because 
sometimes you have to compromise, you know, for various reasons. Um, when you have been involved with an institute, there's things you can yeah. and can't do and, you know, um, budgets and things that you have to stick to, which uh, obviously I've got a budget now, which is a lot smaller. <laughs> yeah. But um, at least you can kind of, yeah, make the, the important decisions that you think are really kind of performance focused and yeah. not have to get it ticked off or signed off by anyone really. So it's yeah, been right. good from that perspective. Difficult from a, I guess, a... Um, uh, financial perspective and having that security. So that's probably the, been the biggest um, challenge for me is making sure that I can still, um, yeah, put food on the table and yep. get to all the races and stuff and do what I need to do to be a high-performance coach. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so it's got its pros and cons, but, you know, everything does, I guess, really. Well, and it's that whole typical of one door shuts, the other window open, like that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. You know, so... That's exciting. Yeah. I want to I want to wind back even further again. Yeah. You're a sports scientist uh, before you joined VIS and started coaching in triathlon. What, uh, why triathlon? What got you into the sport? And um, has that always been the goal throughout your sports science uh, learnings, I guess? Yeah. Um, so short answer was no. <laughs> I, I didn't think I'd be coaching um, when I first started. So yeah. I, um, yeah, my, I guess, journey in, in high performance sports started when I was at uni and did uh, my traineeship through the VIS um, sports science department. And um, I started off in talent search and women's soccer and um, it was, you know, I, I really enjoyed it, kind of threw my hand up to with any other kind of testing things or stuff where they needed um, help with. And um, luckily for me at the end of that year, they were still um, happy to kind of have me on board and um, asked me to stay on to work with swimming and rowing. And um, that was still while I was at uni. So yeah. started off with that. And as it worked out, it was just a massive workload. I was actually taking on board one of the um, full-time staff members' jobs as a trainee part-time. And so ended up having to choose between swimming and rowing and I chose swimming. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, from that ended up working with swimming, work with um, not only the VIS program but with Swimming Australia as well and uh, worked as a physiologist for the Australian team on different tours and, and um, world champs teams and things. And um, then, yeah, got employed full-time as a, a sports scientist and not only worked with swimming but then took on um, triathlon, track and field, cycling and uh, men's hockey. Jeez. And so yeah, yep. just a few. <laughs> and um, and so yeah, so with me with um triathlon at the time, I was working uh, with John O'Hall. Yeah. Who um yeah was the head coach at VIS at the time, and um obviously had athletes like yeah Erin Densham, Brendan Sexton, Peter Kerr, um and a whole heap of others. And uh yeah, I was I guess as a sports scientist, I was never really someone that kind of sat in the office and just you know worked away on the computer. I was very applied and very hands on. And so worked with Jono for yeah so about seven years. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, yep. And then also, obviously, I was working with every individual element too of triathlon. So working with swimming, working with, you know, track and field. And I was mainly with um, our middle distance and distance athletes too. And then with cycling, working, yeah, with um, our road cyclists in particular. So, yeah, through that period, I was able to not only learn from Jono and um, all, everything that needed to be done with triathlon from a physiology and technique perspective, but was lucky enough to work with some of our best coaches in Australia, really in swimming, um, track and field and, and cycling. So, wow, yeah, I learned a lot from those guys. And then um, at the end of 2011, Jono took up uh, the head coach position for USA. Yeah. And, um, yeah, obviously we had Erin and Brendan who were in contention for the Olympics. And, yeah, at the time um, they both came to me and said, look, you know us better than anybody else. Can you know what – you know how Jono used to coach us as well? Can you coach yeah. us? And so at the time I was like, holy shit, <laughs> I don't know. Like I was kind of really flattered that they asked me and they had faith in me. 
Um, but yeah, just kind of had to go, oh God, what am I doing here? Like yeah. I'm a sports scientist, not a coach. But um, yeah, thought about it like and said, yeah, of course, like I'll, I'll help you out. And so went through the whole, obviously the selection period with them in Australia and overseas, went to you know Spain with the two of them. And then, yeah, into London um, once they were both selected and um, was their coach for, for London Olympics. And obviously, yeah, had a, a great time over there. It was an amazing experience, like stressful and, and full yeah, on. Yeah. But, um, yeah, amazing experience. And then came back and I kind of didn't really want to be a sports scientist anymore. I just loved the, the coaching element. And, um, yeah, I ended up uh, – the job was still available and uh, they were interviewing and – I had a few people contact me and say, hey, like, what are you doing? You should be putting your hand up. And both Erin and Brendan kind of gave me their support and Jono. But um, I guess one of the big people, which, which not really many people know this, but um, I had a call from Craig Mottram and he was like, I did quite a bit of work with Craig when he was a runner, but also he was kind of thinking about potentially moving into triathlon. Yeah, there and was a bit of a rumour floating around yeah, for a while. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he was doing a bit of work with this, like um, training a triathlon and he said, Stefano, what are you doing? Like, you shouldn't. You need to go for this job. Like, do it. You know, you, you can do it. You can blah blah blah. And gave me, I guess, yeah, the confidence hearing from someone like him, who I respected him as an athlete, obviously, and what he'd um, seen. And I mean, all of them. I, I respected all of them. But it was just, I guess, a, a random phone call that I was kind of like, oh, hey, yeah, it's kind of the push I needed to just back myself and and go for it. So yeah, went for the job. Went through the whole process, which was a very intense process yeah, um, in terms of their um, interview uh, process we had like a um it was obviously an interview which I just got grilled for an hour <laughs> which um which which is good uh but almost obviously as stressful as this right yeah, yeah. oh yeah. definitely <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah it was like a, a practical component that we had to do like a coaching component while we had like people observing us and then um yeah had to do like a, a presentation to a kind of boardroom full of people so yeah it wasn't a um wasn't an easy process but glad to come through and get the job in the end wow so random, very random, um, a non-orthodox, I guess, uh, route into coaching. But yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it's just a, a different different pathway um, to you know being, I guess, an ex-athlete um, yeah. who's then moved into coaching. Yeah. Gosh, I've got so many questions. <laughs> okay, I want to. Okay, I'm starting to make notes. I don't often make notes in these <laughs> chats, but I'm like, oh my god, tell me more about this. First of all, you mentioned way back. I think. You said you were at uni and then you got involved with the talent search. Yes. What exactly? So <laughs> this is what I know about talent search. And the only thing that I can relate it to of recent times is the AFLW. Yeah. AFL, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> where they've gone talent IDing, searching in other sports to see if those athletes could come across. Yeah. It, is that similar or completely um, different? Yeah, no, no, no. There's, there, there is that component of it, like the talent yeah. transfer side mm-hmm. of things. Um, what I was involved with was mainly just trying to find, you know, kids that had some sort of athletic potential and then give them an opportunity to, to um, go into a particular sport that we were looking for. So yeah. at the time um, we were looking for uh, baseballers, um, volleyballers and um, as canoe kayak at the time. Yeah. Um, and so that was one program. And then I ended up working with um, Rowing Australia and Rowing Victoria for a rowing program. And literally that just involved me going out to unis and spotting tall people and going hey do you want to be a role (laughs) and literally like just chasing like tall it was for females and looking at like whoever was kind of really tall um just chasing them down and saying here come and you know come to the institute we just want to do some testing on you if you're keen to be an athlete and they were like yeah okay so that was the rowing side the um the rest of it when we were looking at the other sports it was yeah going out to schools 
and um, testing kids at um, at high schools and just seeing, you know, if there was standout kids there that we could potentially put into programs to develop them in those sports that we were looking for. So if you were looking for triathletes, what are you looking for? And because obviously you're not just going to go to a triathlon, you're looking at runners and cyclists and swimmers and seeing how that can translate into triathlon. Yeah. What, so, but what what are you looking for? Uh, well, and that's exactly right. Like I look for um, swimmers who can run or runners yeah. that can swim yeah. um, because I feel like the bike's probably the easiest thing to be able to skill someone up in, um, yeah. whereas swimming can take a bit like in terms of technique mm. and things like that. If you're not a swimmer, it is um, pretty difficult or just takes time really um, yeah. to try and get somebody to the level they need to be now for an elite triathlete. So um, there are quite a few runners that have swam quite a bit because of rehab and, and things like that um, okay. over their career. So you do kind of find a few runners that are pretty good swimmers. Um, yeah. And so they're the ones that you kind of really want to try and get a hold of because it's pretty pretty rare, obviously, to get um, someone who's world-class in, in both of those um, yeah. two um, disciplines. But, yeah, I mean, it's a tough one, triathlon, um, because yeah. obviously, you know, yeah, you do have the, the three different elements. But, um, yeah, no, it's, it's if you can find a, a swimmer that can run or a runner that can swim, then you're laughing. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, it's so interesting. Okay, so then you started working with Jono. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he, he was the high-performance coach or head coach? Yeah, the head coach head at coach. BIS, yeah. And you're the sports scientist. What's um, – sorry, that's that was yeah, yeah, what your title that's was? It, yeah, yeah. What, how do you work together? So what I guess what's the line between a coach and a sports scientist? Yeah, okay. And how does that relationship blend? Yeah, I think there's um, there's a whole heap of different ways that coaches utilise sports scientists and um, and how sports scientists can be involved, especially depending on what their, uh, their expertise is in. Um, for Jono and I, we had a really good relationship and I was lucky that Jono was very keen to just have me involved with as much as possible. And um, he was someone that obviously knew, like, where his expertise lied and then yeah. where he, you know, probably needed, um, you know, not, well, not needed help, but needed maybe some advice or wanted to bounce ideas off, off different people. And whether that was me or whether it was a swim coach or a run coach or whatever, he was very open to that. So I was lucky enough to, yeah, have Jono kind of talk to me about his training program and ask me what I thought from a physiological perspective, like how we were getting a response um, with the athletes and what, you know, different Blood, blood markers meant when we were taking bloods off the athletes or, you know, what their test results meant um, and how we could improve things. And so, yeah, Jono and I, I was always out kind of in the field with with him, whether it be here in Melbourne or up at Falls Creek. We used to go there uh, for training camps. And, um, yeah, so he was like we had a very open, um, I guess, working relationship in that we could yeah. bounce ideas off each other and he kind of let me do what I wanted to do at times if we had a um, an intervention or, or something that we thought could potentially impact performance. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, so and cool. I think that helps, you know, like when you've got – when you are out in the field, there are some, like I guess, scientists that don't necessarily like getting out um, and being out in the field with athletes, um, yeah. which I never understood because that was my favourite part of the job is yeah, being right. out in the field. Yeah. Um, and you just develop a really good rapport with the athletes. And so if they kind of know what you're doing and trust you, then you get to do a little bit more and push the boundaries a little bit more with them because they know that, you know, you're only trying to help them and get, yeah. get more out of their performance. Yeah, and you're not just looking at numbers for, for you know. For numbers, yeah, and you're yeah. not testing for testing sake as well because the last thing is – athletes hate like having to do tests like it's you know, yeah everyone does like no one yeah. likes it um but you know if they can see that there's value to it 
then they're happy to do it. It's when you're kind of doing it and they don't get anything from it, that's when you kind of run into some issues. Yeah. Wow. <coughs> Pardon me, sorry. <laughs> Coughing away. Um, oh, this is fascinating. I didn't know that that was your progression into, I guess, the role that you're in today. Yeah, That's yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, so a bit unorthodox. But, um, yeah, like, I mean, for me it's been fantastic and it's probably – it's something where I think people that don't know me, they think that I've kind of almost just been handed – my coaching on a silver platter um, when they don't actually realise that I've had years of experience with, yeah. you know, Jono, who's obviously a well-respected coach internationally anyway in his own right. But, yeah, the coaches that I've worked with in swimming, um, track and field and cycling are some, like, world's best coaches. So yeah. I've had, like, this, yeah, kind of, you know, eight-year apprenticeship under some of the best coaches in the world. Um, so yeah. for me it's been, yeah, fantastic kind of learning opportunity um, from not only like obviously the physiology was my bread and butter for years, but technique wise, yeah, was able to learn so much from all three disciplines. Yeah. I think that's one of the most important things and, um, f- for you with what you've, where you've led, sorry, where you've come from to now, but also moving forward as well is to constantly be learning from other people and particularly because triathlon is such a young sport in the grand scheme of things we're all just still learning. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And if you think you know it all, then that's when you're you're done. Yeah, exactly. So that's the biggest thing. And, you know, it's it's probably something now that I've had to work a little bit harder on in terms of being able to get – you know, advice or experience from others too, because you're not in that institute environment where you're yeah. surrounded by it. Yeah. Um, you do have to go out and find it yourself. So, you know, having mentors that you can go and talk to or bounce ideas off and things like that is so important, um, you know, all, all the time, your whole career, but even yeah. more so now that I'm not kind of surrounded by it day to day in an um, institute environment. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned or alluded to that a few people sort of thought that the coaching thing was handed to you on a silver platter and it clearly wasn't and you've come from a very impressive background. Have you found that it's been quite a tough sport as a, as a female coach? Um, you know, it's a male-dominated sport, um, but in the coaching side of things, it's even more so male-dominated as opposed to the athlete side of things. Is, is it something that you've struggled with trying to, I guess, break down those barriers and really get stuck into the sport? Yeah, yeah, look, definitely. And it, it came as a surprise to me, to be honest, when yeah, right. I first got the job. Because obviously, like, I've been involved with, yeah, a number of sports, and triathlon included, as a sports scientist, and being female was never an issue. Like, got along with everybody. I was, you know, I guess accepted into every sport with every coach and it was never, ever an issue. And then as soon as I got the coaching role, I had, yeah, like, I guess coaches kind of against me and petitioning against me. I had keyboard warriors against me. Petitioning against you, Jesus. And so I had like, yeah, there was like letters to CEO of, you know, VIS and and Triathlon Australia at the time saying I shouldn't be in there. There was people calling me and abusing me. There was... um, Dude. Yeah. (laughs) I had so much initially and I didn't, I just, that really, I guess, threw me because I didn't expect just that much kind of backlash, I guess, for me getting the, um, getting the job. And... Yeah, it was, it was something I, I struggled with initially because I probably well, – I say struggle. I struggle in that I was um, – I probably focused a little bit too much on trying to, like, prove people wrong yeah. or, um, you know, like, make sure that I was sheltering my athletes from that because I didn't want them, you know, hearing all this rubbish that was kind of going on about their coach. Yeah. Um, and so luckily, like, for me, I had a great group of athletes who had worked with me beforehand as well and knew what I was capable of. So for them, they were like – 
no issue whatsoever. You're the best person for us, best person for the job. And that was the main thing for me was to make sure that, you know, I had their support and they were um, happy with me as and yeah. wanting me as their coach. Yeah. But yeah, it was um it was full on initially. Like I had yeah, like I even had a death threat of like from an anonymous phone call at one point, like just because I had one of my athletes that missed out on com game selection and I was like Oh my Are you God. kidding me? Yeah, like it was insane. And so I like I laugh now. Um but yeah, at the time it was pretty full on and I guess being um uh, the hard thing was you couldn't really do and this sounds horrible but couldn't really do too much about it because if you wanted to kind of complain or you know tell people then it was like well you can but you're just going to look like you can't handle high performance so you know you might want to think about making this complaint and at the time when I first started that's the last thing I wanted to do I didn't want to lose my job I'd you know didn't want to kind of put myself in a bad position um both state or you know nationally with um with anybody so you just kind of suck it up and deal with it and keep going um whereas now like obviously that's not the case. Like yeah. I, I would fight it. And there is a lot more support now and a lot, um, I guess a lot more open to making sure that, that behavior is not acceptable. But yeah, it was, it was, it was hard. It was tough early on. Wow. I, I knew, I knew it was tough, but I really had no idea at all. Yeah. It was just, oh, and to be honest, neither did I, like, I didn't think it would be like that yeah. either. And, um, yeah, it was just like, and I guess having people that, you know, you turn to that you thought like, had your back or mentors and stuff and then have having them turn on you you're just like hang on I'm still the same person I'm just coaching now instead of being a sports scientist so yeah it was it was rough from that perspective um wow but yeah as crazy like as much as it was shit to have to go through in some crazy way I'm kind of glad I did because it like taught me a lot about myself and um who I am and how to deal with things and how not to deal with things as well because yeah there's probably you learn from other people what they were doing. You're like, I'm never going to do it like that. Yeah, um, right. But then you also learn from yourself. Like I probably didn't deal with things the best, you know, all the time as well, where you kind of like just go into you know, fight mode kind of thing to protect yourself and, and your yeah. athletes, um, whereas it probably wasn't the best productive way to, to go about it early yeah. on. But, yeah, so, yeah, you just got to kind of <laughs> – you just got to laugh. If you don't laugh, then you'll cry, but, yeah. Yeah, true, <laughs> but hard lessons to learn and, and – unfair lessons to learn because I'm not sure that a and I don't always want it to be male versus female but I look at that kind of thing and especially with this whole me too movement in Mm. Hollywood and all that kind of stuff at the moment and bullying and everything I feel like you probably copped a very raw deal before anyone knew anything purely because you're a female yeah and that's like the one thing with me I hate being called a female coach like I know that sounds funny but like I just no no I get it yeah yeah yeah. and I'm like I'm I'm not a female coach I'm a coach we don't call male coaches male coaches we call them coaches and um you know I I don't want to be given any special treatment because I am a female like Mm. if I'm the best person for the job then fantastic I don't care what gender you know you are male or female um but yeah there was I guess I had the trifecta I had the fact that I was female I was young and I wasn't a past triathlete that kind of worked against me so yeah I I was kind of (laughs) had a lot had a lot going against me but um yeah look it was it's something that um I I look at now and, and when I see you know, whether it's coaches or female staff, you know, whether it's physio, massage, whatever, when I see things happening to them, that's when I kind of arc up a bit more now and make sure I'm there to support them yep. um, and make sure that they feel comfortable reaching out to me, um, which, you know, thankfully they do because I knew just how lonely it made you feel yeah. and how kind of, um, yeah, how, how much of a struggle it is when you, you are by yourself and you kind of can't really 
tell anyone what's going on. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, making sure that they feel supported and that they feel like they they can talk to someone about it. Yeah. Um, that's a big kind of thing for me at the moment is making sure yeah, right. that, yeah, they know that there's someone there for them. Yeah. Well, well, good on you for being a strong enough person to, to get through that and be here doing what you're doing today. Yeah, that's probably my stubbornness really where yeah. I'm just like... <laughs> me, me too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like you think you're going to get me out? No, no, no. I'm going to yeah. be here for a bit longer. So. Yeah, actually going to make me dig my heels in more. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I completely understand that. Okay, so now looking at where you are now, do you, do you feel like most of that is well and truly behind you? Are there still barriers to be broken? Um, I think, look, it's a lot better now for me, like much yeah. better. And um, you're know, really lucky now as well to have um, a supportive environment with Triathlon Australia. Um, and you're awesome. obviously you know, having a new MPD and like with Justin Drew, Justin's very um, – anti like any of that behavior to anyone like and I'm not just saying it's not just to you know females like if I was to yeah. act in the same way as yeah, I yeah. you know should be pulled up as well but Absolutely. um yeah he's been really good in in you know making sure that none of that behavior is going to be tolerated um and people know that like very clearly as well so I think it's a lot better um there's always work to be done like it's never yeah. you know 100 percent um fantastic and, and all rosy but definitely a lot better than what it was um yeah yeah, yeah that's for sure <laughs> oh good all right well let's move on to some more positive things yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but thanks for sharing the story i think it's um we had a very brief chat before we uh hit the record button and we both sort of agreed that it's important to discuss these kind of things and um and hopefully that it helps pave the way for a Oh, this sounds so wanky. But for for a better future, for not just obviously you went through a shit pretty shitty time, but hopefully sharing these kind of stories stops it from happening to any anyone, whether that be athletes, coaches, yeah, exactly. physios, whatever. And so. I think too, just knowing that like there is a little bit of a barrier there, at least you're prepared yeah. for it. Whereas yeah. I think for me, I, I didn't know. I just thought, oh, yep, you know, I'm going to do my job as a coach and that's yeah. fine. I didn't know that I was going to cop that. So maybe if I had a heads up, I'd be a bit more yeah. prepared. So yeah. yeah, knowing that like, all right, it's not um, easy, but it's you can get through it. And they're just yeah, like yeah. little, I guess, you know, little hurdles, little speed yeah. bumps to get over. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because um, – I've always gone through my life never feeling inadequate because I'm a female. You know, I grew up with two brothers. I yeah. was the, the tomboy. I was playing footy and, you know, so I've never felt any different to my male counterparts. And it wasn't until, and I've told this story before, but the reason I launched Witsav was because I said to an editor at a magazine, why don't you have many women on the cover of a, the magazine? And it wasn't coming from a equality point of view is mm. is a very simple question and when they said well women don't sell magazines that's when I was like well that's kind of bullshit yeah yeah and that's when I came up with wits up and and again working in this industry for quite some time I never felt like me personally I'd had anything sort of go against me for being a female but now that I guess I'm in this role of trying to speak for women uh, pros coaches athletes or what what have you I do recognize more things um and if it comes up to me personally same with you I'll just dig my heels in and fight even harder so <laughs> yeah. it's almost like come at me bro yeah, yeah but it's um it's interesting I think um personalities like myself and what it seems like you're very similar is that we we need to be out there doing these kind of things for other people not just for ourselves um that's how I feel anyway yeah yeah no and definitely that's the same as me like I, I obviously first and foremost like 
do what I do for my athletes. And yeah. then I guess as, um, as selfish as it sounds, like for myself to prove to myself as well that yeah. I can be, you know, a world-class coach. So there is that selfishness in terms of like getting the best out of your athletes and also yourself as a coach. Yeah. But then, yeah, I guess more kind of globally looking at it all, um, I, I want to be a role model for female coaches um, out there as well and to show them that it can be done and that you don't have to do it the way I did, I guess, in terms of, you know, the, the crap that you cop along the way yeah. um, and making sure that I'm a voice for those people as well um, if they feel like they can't talk yeah. to. So, yeah, no, it's definitely definitely something that needs to be, I guess, continually worked upon. Yeah. Um, and it's a tough one because then people kind of, as soon as you start to, you know, I guess – talk about um trying to make things equal it's like yeah. oh well you know you're like um female you know like li- um, liberation blah 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 yeah, yeah. burn your bra all yeah. this kind of stuff and I'm like that's not it at all like I'm actually yeah. you know give whoever's the like best person for the job give yeah. them the job whether they're male or female but yeah at least give females the opportunity to be able to you know put their hand up and, and go for yeah for roles that have been predominantly male dominated yeah Ooh, I love it. <laughs> okay, positive things, positive things. Uh, well, hopefully positive things. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so now you're working for yourself. Yeah. Um, talk us through the name of your company. <laughs> we did email about this the other day. Yeah, yeah. Uh, where it came from um, and I guess what your big plans are for like, for 2018 and I guess the next 12 months. Yeah, sure. So um, it's, yeah, a low-tick pro triathlon. That's how, how you pronounce it. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it's I guess it's random. It's abstract. It was something <laughs> I, I wanted that um, I didn't want anything that was going to be about me or about, like, I guess specifically triathlon as well. Um, and my whole concept at the time was to kind of almost set it up like it was a cycling team kind of thing but a triathlon team and so it was a team name as such um and so yeah um I just randomly I was actually on a, on a camp at the time and one of my athletes um who I was coaching at the time Joel Tobin White he was he's had his own business and he's a really creative kid like really um yeah really really good and he was like now just brainstorm things look up what meanings of words are do this and he was like almost yeah like kind of prodding me to just yeah brainstorm hundreds yeah. and hundreds of things that um and and different you know I guess uh languages of what that word means or, or things like that and so in the end I came up with um uh, yeah low tick which means um always moving forward yeah and then um obviously I'm Australian and um you know it's been I guess I've had to be pretty strong in uh my position to date so um eucalyptus trees gum trees like they're the you know i guess strongest australian tree nice. so put an e in front of it with eucalyptus and just made it a low tick so um yeah random name um but for me it's yeah just i guess strength and always moving forward pretty much i love that yeah. very cool so you set yourself up um coaching a few athletes you've got uh, a a few elite athletes. Talk us through who you've got at the moment. Yeah, so um, I've got Marcel Walkington, uh, Tam Zimawana Veal, Kate Dowdy, and um, just take. And so Kate's obviously one of our para triathletes, and just taking on another para triathlete in Mark Daniels as well, who's a oh, okay. um, PT. Yeah, yeah. So they're um, yeah my four elite guys that I'm coaching. Yep. Um, and then I've got yeah a couple of age group athletes, and um, I'm also coaching um, well the head coach of the Penley and Essendon Grammar Triathlon squad. So you may have seen the Pegs Army um, at yep. the local kind of <laughs> two times a year races. There's about 80 kids, but yep. um, yeah, so that's been uh, pretty cool this year doing that with them as well. Yep. So what's the goal for you? So 
high performance um, with, with the elite athletes. You've got a few age groupers and then a bit of junior development or? Yeah, yeah. So um, obviously like still wanting to um, stay in the high performance space and make that like my main priority. Yep. Um, but I have just realised that there's, you know, obviously through my involvement with PEGS, um, is that there is a bit of a gap, I guess, in terms of junior development within Victoria. We haven't really produced um, too many people coming through for a long time now yeah. for, as a state. And so, um, yeah, I've had a few uh, athletes approach me and say, look, can you you know, coach us as, as juniors or first year under 23? So um, unfortunately time, I kind of ran out of time to get everything set up um, as as good as I wanted it to before I leave to go overseas for our international season. But when I get back, um, yeah, we'll be launching like my junior squad uh, for the program as well. So with the idea of that, that they would still um, train alongside my elites uh, where where we can, like it may not yeah. be every session, yeah. Um, but yeah, at least once a week they'd be with those guys and um, yeah, have that as a feeder program, I guess, into the elite squad as well. Awesome. Yeah. So when you say juniors, what what kind of age does it go down to? Uh, it'd be, I would say, probably like 14, 15, really. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, all the way through to, yeah, like under 23s, that's fine. But yep. um, I guess it's just going to be based around the kids that are at school yeah. at the moment. Um, that's, you know, looking at training sessions to be probably, you know, before and after, after school and then just on the weekends with um, yep. the elites. But uh, yeah, just probably around that age group. Yeah, and when you're looking at juniors, there's obviously the school thing. Yeah. Um, but then there's a whole new level of, um, I guess, development in terms of just human human beings. You're still developing as a teenager, and you know, quite often we see in sport that kids get burnt out way too early. Is that something at the forefront of your mind? Like, wh- what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, no, definitely. And that was um, that was a big thing, I guess, when I came on board with Pegs. They um, obviously gave me the job, but one of the things that, and I only found this out like at our presentation last month, but everyone was a little bit scared thinking, oh, we well, hang on, we've got this like Olympic coach that's coming in to, to coach us. Like it was a really, um, like a, the program was based on participation and having fun and enjoying triathlon and enjoying each other. And um, I came on board and luckily, like, because obviously um, I'd spoken to the people that had been involved beforehand and made sure that that was the, the thing that we focused on, that, yes, we wanted to improve, you know, how they were um, performing, but still made it fun, still made sure that everyone enjoyed their time. And, um, yeah, we successfully did that this year in terms of carrying on. And to be honest, like, the program itself is fantastic and it's, you know, obviously the legacy from um, the, the coach beforehand, but uh, those, if you could kind of bottle up what those kids have and sell it, we'd be millionaires yeah. in terms of, like, their the culture that they have within the program so it was yep. for me it was great like it was just to come in and coach a group of kids that varying age groups like from obviously year eight to year 12 guys and girls all mixed in together mixed um you know levels of ability and stuff yet everyone's there high-fiving each other um you know cheering for each other and things like that and so yeah just made me realize that okay yep this is why we do it, yeah. you know, like as the fun element to it as well. So yeah, yeah for the junior program, it will be, um, it's not going to be like as hardcore as it is for yeah. my elites, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, just giving them, I guess, the opportunity to potentially work on technique because I think it's something that is probably missed out on because a lot of people just don't have the time to be able to do it. And yeah, yeah. if you've got big age group programs, which a lot of the juniors are, are just in age group programs, it's hard for the coach to be able to focus on 
junior development and coaching yeah. age groupers all at the same time. So that's why I just want to make it a bit more specific to, to juniors to help their development. Awesome. And as a kid, training, <laughs> training next to elite and, and knowing that you are a high-performance coach and you've been to the Olympics and you've sussed all that out, I mean, that's going to be a massive thrill for them. Yeah, well, and, you know, it was earlier this year I had um, both Marcel and Tamsin come to the um, Triathlon Victoria Development Program. They had a camp on um, down the coast. And the feedback that we got from that, from the kids and their parents, I had a lot of parents that come and find me at races or even, like, local crit races and just say, hey, like, having having Marcel and Tamsin there – was fantastic for their kids. Like they oh, all raved good. about, you know, the the day that they spent training with them. So that too, like, just made me realise the importance of having, you know, these national athletes present yeah. in the daily training environment too for these guys to look up to to see how they um, how they train and how they go about everything as well. Um, it's really important that we have role models for yeah. the athletes as well. Oh, so true. And it's like, it's easier, I guess, for, you know, in, in Queensland, that's where obviously most of our athletes are, are based nationally. Um, and all those kids, the junior kids there, they're all thriving because they've got obviously, you know, access to um, just visually being able to see elite athletes up there. And that's yeah. one thing that I think we lack down here is absolutely there's not enough, I guess, presence of the elite athletes um, yeah. on a day-to-day basis for these juniors. Yeah, yeah. I was having that uh, conversation with Pat Legg just oh, the other okay. day. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, it's been a while. Like, I mean, the last, um, you know, and I'm talking top athlete was Erin Densham's and, you know, who didn't actually spend all that much time in Victoria anyway. But yeah, yeah. It's, there's that, there's definitely that missing, um, yeah, block. Yeah, exactly. I guess, yeah. Yeah. Um, so all these kids who are involved in triathlon at, at Pegs and I guess at other schools. Are they they're choosing triathlon, or is this all part of their curriculum? Or yeah, so I'm not sure about the other other schools, um, but I know from Pegs' perspective, they have to do um, two sports okay. um, for summer and for winter. So this is yep. a, a they choose um, to do triathlon. Oh, cool! And um, yeah, we actually have to cap it. So <laughs> there's been that oh, much. Wow. Into, yeah, yeah. So um, they've capped it at like 80 kids this year. We don't let the sevens do it just purely from a numbers perspective because there yeah, are right. so many kids that want to do it um so that's a great thing for the program yeah but um yeah it's just kind of gets more popular each year which is a great thing it's super positive because we're now competing we as in triathlon as a sport are competing with so many other sports at the moment and it's uh, i imagine it's just getting harder and harder well that's it and then we've got um so many of the uh athletes i've had this year that are in year 12 have said to me, well, where do I go now? Like, exactly. what do I do? Um, and so having to, you know, speak to them about the different options that they've got, like even just, they say, you know, what, what can I race? Like, what, what's the next thing for me to, to aim yeah. for um, now that they're no longer in the school series? So that's, yeah, it's been, I, I guess, a bit of an eye opener for me to say, all right, well, hang on, we need to give them some, some guidance and keep these kids in the sport because like you said, Absolutely. it's so easy to go into, you know, footy, cricket, rugby, whatever, yeah. um, and be pulled away from from triathlon because it kind of just gets too hard to work out where to go and what to do and things like that. Absolutely. And unfortunately, a lot of those people who leave the sport at that time or at that age are women. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. um, And it's different. Obviously you coach, you don't coach any long course athletes, do you? No, no, not at this stage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But most of the women come back to the sport at an older age yeah. and going into the more of the long course sort of stuff as opposed to so there's just such a massive gap so and I'm sure that's Australia wide that's obviously not just Victoria yeah. or probably global as well 
Um, so I think what you're doing is awesome and extremely important for our sport to continue to thrive. Yeah, and I think like it's exciting to be honest um, yeah. for me. Like I'm excited to kind of get it up and running. And it's funny even just talking to my elites as well. Like they're excited to have little kids. Like I say little kids. Sorry, that's not the right thing to say. But like <laughs> to have junior kids around them because they they yeah. love it too. Like just different, yeah. you know, kind of changes up the the training environment for them. But um, yeah, it keeps them honest too and well, on their toes. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And when. You know, you're having, you've had a few tough days of training and motivations waning and then you get these 80 kids who are just full of beans and excitement. Like you said before, it just reminds you why we do this sport and at the end of the day it's because we all love it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 Ooh, very cool, very <laughs> nice. Uh, where do we go to from here? I'm going to start asking you some deeper questions. Oh, look out. <laughs> uh, now, I want to find out um, – Obviously, you've got your sports science background and everything, and now you're into the coaching and all that's blended together nicely. But what do you think has been one of the biggest lessons that you've learnt over the past however many years? I can't even think. I'm trying to think of the dates that you told me that you started and everything. Yeah. But let's just say over the years. Over the years, yeah, yeah so I don't feel too old. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah look, oh, geez, where do I start? No, there has been um, some, I guess, massive lessons that I've learned along the way. Um, I guess one of the big things is just – dealing with I just I guess emotional intelligence and and people skills and things um yeah. which I I think I've been you know pretty good at um for most of my life I've been lucky enough to be a pretty good people person but yeah understanding how other people work and how yeah. you know like how to read others as well um that's been a big thing for me and probably one of my strengths too that not just for my athletes and being able to I guess you know draw a bit more out of them um when you know, they're either trying to shut down or if things are going on in, in their life outside of triathlon to, you know, let them open up so you can kind of help them out because um, obviously that always affects performance too if there's other stuff going on. But even just from a, a management perspective as well, like I've learnt from if I compare myself like from um, when I first started to now, yeah, um, how, yeah, you I guess manage up, um, I'm a lot better at doing that now and and working out yeah kind of how to read different yeah. individuals and the best way to I guess get people on on side or um get your point across without I guess causing World War Three, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is always around the corner when there's elite athletes involved. yeah exactly exactly um yeah that, and I, I guess um just backing yourself as well I know that sounds like you know really kind of simple but um it is something that you and I think females in particular don't necessarily have the confidence to to back themselves all the time because it's kind of seen as being cocky or up yourself and things like that and that's something that I've had to get over like get over my own kind of you know I guess insecurity of looking like I love myself or whatever um and just actually go no you know what like I know my shit like just back yourself and um be confident so yeah yeah they're probably the two biggest things I think that have help me out along the way it's so interesting that just that point in itself um i've had this conversation a lot about even just simple things like women investing in better equipment for themselves they don't want to spend more money on expensive wheels for example because they don't feel like they deserve it because they don't want people to then think that they think that they're awesome and you know so just real simple things like that whereas if a and i'm speaking very generally here (laughs) but if a guy goes out and buys wheels whatever like no one cares cool go and do your thing but yeah, I don't know if, if we overthink things too much and I, I think you nailed it. We've just got to be confident in in what we're doing and what we're talking about and it, if people think that you're arrogant or whatever, then 
you can't change what people think. Yeah, exactly. And that and that's exactly right. That's probably what I've learned as well. You can't yeah. you can't change or can't like I guess have control of what people yeah. think of, of you. Um, and it's something you just got to get over, especially in elite sport. Like whether you're a guy oh, or girl doesn't matter. But um, yeah, for me, I'm just like well. I don't care what other people think about me um, anymore, like I used yep. to when I first started. But yep, now yep. I'm like, nah, I, I'm confident in myself um, and my own, I guess, direction that I don't need to worry about other people's opinions or what they think of me yeah. as a person or as a coach. Um, just kind of stay true to what you believe in and your own values and um, who you are as a person and a coach and just yeah. go with that and back that. And yeah. you've got like and, – and having good people around you that you trust um, is, yeah, a massive thing too. So yeah. that's probably changed in the last couple of years for me, having like really good mentors that you can talk to that you know you're getting good advice from that they're not just kind of, you know, Blowing smoke up your ass, making you feel good yep. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, Awesome. So in five years, 10 years, where do you see yourself in terms of coaching and your role in triathlon? Yeah. So still, um, obviously by in you know, five years time, I'd like to see myself as someone who is, um, a, I had sustain, sustained six, I can't even speak now, sustained <laughs> success. Sorry. At the international level and, you know, be a, an Olympic coach, um, again, you know, I'm, um, Olympic medalist, um, uh, metal coach uh, yeah. moving forward and um, yeah having I guess sustained success on the international scene yeah. um, with multiple athletes both male and female um, yeah. you know and just someone that I guess is uh, respected and recognized worldwide yeah I love it <laughs> I love that you just said you're going to be an Olympic medalist yeah well. yeah yeah you know, <laughs> I'm just going to wind the clock back <laughs> um, I want to before we shuttle this down because you're actually going overseas tomorrow <laughs> and I realised that just before we hit record so I want to hold you up all day although I could talk to you <laughs> about a lot of things but one reason I don't want to talk too much about things here is because we're actually going to we're going to get you to start writing a bit of content on Wits Up I'm just laying this on you now. <laughs> Surprise! Ta-da! <laughs> um, but with that said, this is why I wanted to do this podcast now so that people could get to know your experiences, your background, your education, which is like, you've got a wealth of knowledge. What do you think you can bring to our audience in terms of potential content? Uh, yeah, good question. I think like there's a whole heap of different areas that I can bring um, to WitsUp. Um, I think giving you an insight into the elite level um, as well as what we do and how we operate because, um, you know, regardless of what level you're at, whether you're a junior, an age grouper, a first-timer, a seasoned, um, you know, triathlete, there's always something that you can learn. And even though mm. it may not be, um, you know, at the elite end, you can always tailor things to yourself and, and I guess dial it down a little bit yep. to then get something out of it for yourself. So I think, um, yeah, having that, uh, insight into what we do, uh, I guess, what's, I guess, world best practice, um, yep. to, to your own training, to your own preparation and performance. Um, but then, yeah, I guess just, I, I can draw upon a lot of the different, um, experiences and scenarios that I've been in both as a coach and as, a sports scientist because um, obviously, yeah, like you, I learned so much even just from you know, working, say, particularly swimming or with cycling yeah. or with running. Um, the individual disciplines can break it down even further as well. Yeah. Ooh, it's very exciting. <laughs> um, I do just want to quickly ask you, um, what do you think of the Com Games? Oh, yeah, no, it was fantastic. <laughs> really good. Um, loved, yeah, loved the racing. I mean, it's it's always uh, 
um, interesting to see, I guess, the tactics employed as well, mm. um, particularly now that we've got the mixed team relay. Like that just adds another dimension to it all. It's and very cool. Yeah, yeah, really cool. And um, re- like it's it's exciting. It's so funny. Like I had so many of my friends who like none of them are in, like really have any interest in triathlon other than what kind of I'm doing and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And so many of them are like, oh, that relay, like that was really cool. I watched that relay. So it's awesome to hear like I guess non-triathlon people watching the um, the triathlon because of, you know, the relay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, also watching the individual races too. But, yeah, yeah. no, I thought it was – yeah, really strong performances from um, both the able-bodied and para team as well. Like it was unreal having the para athletes in amongst the able-bodied. Like to yeah, it's all one big event. It was so cool. Yeah, it was great. And yeah. I mean, it'd be fantastic if they can um, continue to evolve that and include more um, categories as well. Because obviously, for the triathlon yeah. this year, it was only the wheelchair guys. But um, yeah, it was fantastic. Like I guess all up, I think it was something like. Six out of 13 medals that Australia end up winning it, um, for triathlon, like all yeah. up. So, you know, not a bad effort um, really for uh, our, you know, home games there. But Absolutely. Yeah, no, it was awesome. Awesome to watch. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you, so uh, the Common Games has got the sprint and the relay. Yep. And this may just be because I'm, I've been so used to watching the standard or the Olympic distance for so long. I missed that. I missed the Olympic distance. I, I really enjoy watching the Olympic distance, yep. um, but loved the relay. So I would prefer to see Olympic distance or standard, whatever they're calling it these days, and a sprint. Mm-hmm. But what's – like I know there's reasons to, you know, pros and cons for doing sprint versus the Olympic and everything, but what are your thoughts from a coach's point uh, of view? I would much prefer it to stay as Olympic distance and yeah, right. the mixed team relay. Yeah. Um, it's Olympic distance for a reason, like Olympic distance, do it at the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> That's my thought anyway. Like. Yeah. Um, it all comes down to airtime and yeah. how much airtime, you know, I guess we get for Olympics, which is why, you know, they're talking about moving, you know, the, the individual event to a sprint race. But I think if you've got the mixed team relay, exactly, then that's the sprint element. And then, yeah, yeah leave the Olympic distance race um, yeah. for the individual individual yeah, yeah. race. So I'm very much, yeah, leave it as it is um, yeah. rather than change because I yeah. think that would be really disappointing if they do. Yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, that's my opinion anyway. <laughs> and, but do you think they'd have to separate the days in between, say, an Olympic distance and the relay? So it was only, what, 40, 48 hours I think it was? Yeah, it's I, I don't think so. Like they, What they are kind of employing for Tokyo anyways, you don't necessarily have to race the individual race to race the relay. Yeah. So if you've got, you know, you, you might – and this is where all the tactics kind of come in. If you've yeah. got two or three athletes um, for your country – you may have one person who could be a chance for the um, the individual race and then have two as relay specialists and not yeah. even race them for the Olympic distance. Yeah. Um, or you could have, you know, you could just, if you think we've got no one for the um, Olympic distance race, uh, for the individual, sorry, who's going to be a medal contender, you could effectively have two relay specialists yeah. and um, just have them focus on the relay, not even worry about the individual events. So yeah. there's, I don't think you need to have, um, too much time. I think the way they've got it oh, at the moment for Tokyo, I think there's still a couple of days in between each event. Um, yeah. So it might be, say, I think like, say, I can't remember the days, but if it's like, say, Monday, Thursday, and then Sunday, like the the race, so two individual races might be, yeah. say, women on the Monday, men on the um, Thursday, and then yeah. the team relay on the Sunday, yeah. um, which I think is fine. Like, yeah. Yeah, the, the super sprint, like, format of the team relay 
yeah, we'll be fine um, yeah, yeah. to do after an Olympic distance. Yeah, right. Yeah. And do you think there's um, – and I'm just fascinated to get your point of view because um, I had quite a few discussions with many people. Yeah. And in my head, and I, I could be wrong, but in my head I felt like there are more tactics involved in the Olympic or standard distance than what there is in a sprint distance. But I'm really open to – someone changing my mind. I only just sort of said that because I feel like the sprint distance is just start to finish, flat out, get out to the front. There's no time to sort of sit in and make, uh, do, you know, create tactics on the bike because I just don't feel like there's enough time to do any of that. Yeah. But I, I could be wrong because I, I'm not a high-performance athlete or coach. Yeah. there's. I mean, look, there's different um, – you, you, I, I probably agree in that I think there's a bit more um, – opportunity for for tactics and things to occur in uh olympic distance race because it doesn't all just come down to a run like you very much like with some of the courses and it depends on the course too like the course can then dictate as well um what can happen so if it's a flat course and it's a sprint course um then you do tend to see everything kind of stick together and not too much of a breakaway um and then it comes down to a run and so you know I'd, i'd prefer to kind of see you know guys like well, girls and guys breaking away um, on the bike and trying to, you know, stay away from the chase group and the chase having to like work their ass off to get there and then yeah. see what happens on the run um, in an Olympic distance. There's a bit more opportunity of that to happen um, over the longer distance than the sprint distance. I, I yeah. would agree with you yeah. on that. But um, there's, yeah, there's obviously tactics in both. It's just yeah. that changes um, and changes on the type of athlete that you are too as yeah. well in terms of what your strengths and weaknesses are. Um, yep. and who you're with at the time yeah, who's too. Racing? Yeah, you know, if it was a, if it was a sprint at the Olympics, it'd be very different tactics to the lesser amount of athletes yeah. racing at Com Games. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, and that's the thing. Like the yeah, Commonwealth Games, you kind of knew like like for the women's race, you always yep. knew that Flora and Jess Learmonth were going to be off yep. the front. So it's well, what do you do to? Yep kind of I guess contain them um, or say as close as you possibly can to them like yeah so um and that even though that's a sprint like you would yeah normally if it was a WTS you wouldn't see as big a gap you wouldn't think um for just the two girls off the front yeah um there'll be a lot more that could yeah kind of close that gap in between um yeah those two in 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 the swim yeah <sighs> That's exciting. Um, hey, we're going to leave it there. Thank you so much. No for worries at all. To hang out at yeah. my place. Yeah, thanks for having yeah. me. <laughs> um, I'm really looking forward to working with you and um, yeah, learning from you and our audience learning from you and yeah, just seeing where this next thing takes us. Yeah, awesome. No, I'm excited as well. So, no, yeah. thanks for the opportunity. <laughs> Safe travels. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, cheers.